All right, I want to welcome everybody to the master's class here at Life Change Church. Life Change Church. We are in the book of Genesis, and we're ready for a two-part lesson of the day. And so it's going to be on how to mend a broken faith. How to mend a broken faith. Now, one of the great reoccurring lessons in the Bible is the need for the Christian believer to have faith. The need for the Christian believer to have faith. Now, not a hope-so faith, but a no-so faith based on the promises that are found in God's Word. Now, this no-so faith is absolutely, positively, totally required for the believer to live a victorious Christian life. Amen to that? Now, I want you to think of the lessons over the next couple of weeks as addendums to the lesson that we had last week. Here, last week, we talked about the events of Abraham, uh, Abram, uh, Abraham, they're the same thing. If I say one or the other, you know what I mean. But Abram leaving Canaan for Egypt. And we talked about the events as much as it was kind of a narrative of a story. In the book of Genesis, I'm going to do a lot of that, just a narrative of a story, and then try to find some application for that. But this week, we're going to talk about the same events, but from a different perspective. We're going to be in the school of faith this morning, and that's a wonderful school. But sometimes, we don't make very good grades in that school of faith. And, and I want to talk to you about how to mend a broken faith. Because there are just times that we just don't do all that good in God's school of faith. Now, as I said earlier, this is going to be a two-part lesson, so you got to come back next week to get the whole story. Now, this week, we'll be setting the foundation of having a true biblical faith. If you're going to mend something that's broken, you've got to know what it is to start with. And today, we're going to have the foundation of a true biblical faith. And then next week, we'll be talking about what happens when our faith fails, and we need to fix it. Now, life is the classroom in the school of faith. And it's a school of hard knocks, right? Now, obviously, the Bible is the textbook of the school of faith. The faculty includes all of the prophets and the apostles, but now the dean of the school of faith would have to be Abraham. Amen? Amen? Now, in the Bible, Abraham is called the father of all them that believe in Romans 4.11. And when we think of Abraham, we think of faith. And we can learn some incredible lessons about faith as we study how he struggled to become this great man of faith. And by the way, when I'm talking to you about faith, I'm not talking to you about something insignificant, like how many angels can dance on the head of a pin. How many angels can dance on the head of a pin? Anybody know? Seven? Yeah, I can't prove you wrong, so I'll go along with you. <laughs> but this is not something insignificant as that. This is so important that I can hardly think of an adjective to describe the importance of faith 
it is of monumental, inestimable importance. I can say that word, inestimable, yeah? Uh, importance. Now, let me give you six reasons why faith is so important, and all of this is just by way of introduction. We're not even getting into the heart of it yet. But this is all just introduction, but just put all of this into your heart, the six reasons why faith is so important to our faith. Now, the first reason that faith is so important is that faith is the distinguishing mark of the Christian. Now, did you know that Christians were called believers before they were ever called Christians? Believers. That is the distinguishing mark of a Christian, that he is a believer. Sometimes I like to use the term believer instead of Christian, and I like to use the term follower of Christ rather than Christian, because Christian gets kind of a broad-based term out there. But a true Christian is a believer. Now, next, faith is the Christian's chief duty. That's the second mark. To exercise faith is our chief duty. Now, Keith, who said so? What makes you think that faith is our chief duty? Well, because Jesus said so. John 6, 29 says, Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God that you believe on him whom he hath sent. Jesus tells us plainly that this is the work of God that you believe. And Jesus tells us that it is the chief duty of a Christian. Now, then the third mark of our faith is that faith is the Christian's shield from unbelief. Okay, now if faith is our chief duty, then unbelief must be the supreme evil. There is no greater evil than unbelief. And there is no greater sin than to aim the gun of unbelief at the Almighty God and to pull the trigger. Did you guys hear that? There is no greater sin than to aim the gun of unbelief at Almighty God and then to pull the trigger. Now that's an illustration. How do I know this is true? Well, how did man get into sin to start with? He did not believe God. She fell into sin because of unbelief. And men don't go to hell today because they murder someone or they steal something or because they lie or because they commit adultery. For those sins have been paid for with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ah, to the contrary. The Bible says in John 3, 18, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he had not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now think about that. The reason that men and women go to hell today is that they have not believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. So the third reason that our faith is so important is that our faith is the shield against unbelief. Now the fourth reason is that the Christian life is lived by faith. So now, once you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, how are you going to live the Christian life? By trying? Uh Uh-uh. How about trusting? You're going to live it by trusting. The Christian life is lived by faith. Four times the Bible says the just shall live by faith. God says it once, twice, thrice, 
and four times, I don't know what force is, but if something like that, but four times. Now, do you think that God's trying to tell us something really important when he says something four times in the Bible? I'm telling you, the way to live the Christian life is by faith, and faith alone. Now, the next reason is that success in the Christian life is measured by faith. Oh, my, now we're, now we're getting where the uh, road meets the rubber, right? Did you know that God is going to judge your success as a believer in doing the work that God has for you to do by your faith? He absolutely will. Matthew 9.29 says, Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. Now, notice that it is not according to your feelings. It's not according to your fame. It's not according to your fortune. It's not according to your friends or your faith. But according to your faith, be it unto you. Now, to be successful in your work for God, you must please Him, right? If you're going to get a good grade to, in a classroom, you've got to please the teacher. You've got to do what the teacher says, right? And if you please God, it really doesn't matter whom you displease. And if you displease God, it really doesn't matter whom you please. Amen? And faith above all things pleases God. Now, how are you going to please God? Well, the Bible says in Hebrews eleven six, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now notice that it doesn't say that it is hardly possible to please him. It says that it is impossible. It is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So if you want to have good success in your work for God and your grades from God, you have to please God and to please Him, you must have faith. Now the last reason that our faith is so important is that faith is the only way to overcome the world. 1 John 5, 4 says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world even our faith. So now, when we greet each other uh, here in church, what is the first thing you say? Well, how are you doing, right? How are you? How are you doing? Well, instead of saying, how are you doing? I think we ought to say, how are you faithing? How are you faithing, right? How's your faith doing? Now, so those are the six reasons why faith is so important. Those, those are the six reasons, and it's because we live by faith. And, it, and faith is so important in the life of a Christian. You cannot be a Christian without the no-soul faith that God has provided us with. And you cannot live a victorious Christian life without this same no-soul faith. Now, as we're attending and starting to attend this study in this school of faith, there are several things that I want you to learn from Abraham. 
And the very first thing is what I'm going to call the root of biblical faith. The root of biblical faith. And we begin in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. And it says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. Now I want you to understand that this is the preamble to Abram's faith. The preamble to his faith. It's not his faith in action, but the preamble to Abraham having faith at all. This is the root of his faith. And what is the root? It's what uh, builds the foundation of the plant, right? It's what the plant grows from. And this is what Abram's faith grows from. God had spoken to him. That's the root of his faith. God had spoken to him. The root of biblical faith is divine revelation. It is to hear from God. Now notice how this says, and the Lord had said. I want you to underscore that. That's really important. Now, there are a lot of people who misunderstand faith and the source of faith. Faith is not rooted in human will. Let me say that again just to be clear. Faith is not rooted in human will. And what does that mean? Faith is not rooted in what you want or desire. It is rooted in what God wants and desires. Now let me illustrate this for you. Go back to Genesis chapter 11, and you see there the building of the Tower of Babel. This colossal high-rise to hell, and notice how it describes what happened. Genesis 11, verses 1 and 2, And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. Now, I want you to watch this and count with me as I read verses 3 and 4. And they said one to another, Go to let us. I want you to underscore the word us. Now, that's one time that you see that. Make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go to let us. Now, underscore that word us again, and that's twice. Built us, so underscore that word again, that's three, a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven, and let us make us a name. So underscore each of the words us in that last sentence, and there's two times, and that's four and five. So that is five times that we see the word us used in these two verses. There's us, there's us, there's us, there's us, and there's us. Now that is man's will. This is man's attempt to establish his own kingdom through his own will. They make up their own mind about what they want to do, and they say to each other, let us do this, and let us do that. Now, go back over to where we were in chapter 12 of the book of Genesis and notice the difference. God says unto Abraham, in the last part of verse 1, and this is verses 1 through 3 of chapter 12, but God says unto Abraham in the last part of verse 1, unto a land that I will show thee. Now underscore those words, I will. And then look at verse 2, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, 
Thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee. So underscore each one of those, I will. So man says, let us. But God says, I will. Now faith is not rooted in man's wants and desires, but in God's wants and desires. Not in man's let us, but in God's sovereign, I will. Now, what were the people of Babel trying to do? Well, they were trying to make themselves a name. Now, they failed miserably to do that, right? Uh, other than Nimrod, can anybody tell me the name of any one person who built that tower? No? Now, we know the name of one whose name was Nimrod, who is, as we've talked about, he was a type of the Antichrist. Now, it is a name that is despised, and that's the reason you know that name, because God wanted to have a type or an illustration of the coming Antichrist. But they wanted to make a name. And they failed miserably. Yet God says to Abraham, what? I will give you a name. And the name Abraham is revered throughout the entire world. Now what I'm trying to say is this, that faith is not rooted in human will. And I want you to say that, that you understand that. And so I'm going to ask you to do something here. I'm going to ask you to do something two or three times. And I want you to pay attention. I want you to say human will out loud for me. Human will. All right. It's very important that you understand this because we have so many people who have sort of a Tower of Babel mentality trying to make for themselves a name, and they call it name it and claim it. Now, whether it be healing or riches, blessings or power, you don't do that. You don't name and claim anything. You do not command God by naming and claiming what you want Him to do. That is not biblical. Nowhere in Scripture will you find that we have the power to command God to do anything, especially something that is against His will. You're not going to do it. No, the key to answered prayer is what? First finding out what God wants and then praying for that. You want your prayers answered, you go find out what God wants and then you pray for that. What is His will? Not commanding God, but asking God for that to come to pass. It's an entirely different attitude. You have to hear from God. Faith is not rooted in human will. It is rooted in God's will. Now next I want you to see that faith is not rooted in human worth. It's not rooted in human will, and it is not rooted in human worth. Now look again, if you will, in verse 1. It says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country. Now we're going to learn something right here, and we talked a little bit about it a couple of weeks ago. Abraham, Abram was a pagan living in pagan idolatry in an idolatrous land. Genesis 11.31 says, And Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarah his daughter-in-law, his son's Abram's wife, and they went forth with them from the Ur of the Chaldees to the, uh, go into the land of Canaan, and they came unto Haran and dwelt there. You know, I thought I 
had finished having to read that verse and that uh, mixture of stuff back in chapter 11, and here I am, I'm having to go back there and read that, read that again. That, that, that's something, that, that phrasing of that is something uh, uh, that's different. Now, so they're coming out of the land of earth, which was the center of idolatry. And on top of all that, this pagan named Abraham was 75 years old when he got called. So when Abram first heard God, he was 75 years old. Now what does that tell us? Well, that means that nobody is too bad, even an idolater, and nobody is too old to be called by God. Now, amen to that? Amen? Are you too old to be called and be asked by God to do something? Yeah? Have you guys retired from God? No, there's no retirement from God. All right. God chooses a man named Abram who is a raw pagan. And he became a believer. Now listen to me. Faith is not rooted in human will and it is not rooted in human work. Won't you say human work? It's not rooted in your work. Now next we see that faith is not rooted in human wisdom. Look again in chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. Now notice this was not something that Abram figured out on his own. He didn't all of a sudden just get up one morning and say, You know, I need to get out of here. He went under sealed orders. He didn't even know why he was going. Now, what faith is not, faith is not positive thinking. It's not following a hunch. It's not hoping for the best. It's not figuring something out and then trying to make it work. It is not a feeling of optimism. It's not believing what you know isn't so. Abraham, when he went out, did not know why, and he did not, he did not know where. He just knew whom. He just knew whom. Now listen carefully. Faith is not rooted in human work. Faith is not rooted in human will. And faith is not rooted in human wisdom. Now say human wisdom. Now faith is not rooted in human wisdom. True faith comes from the Word of God. So Abram had a Word from God. Now that's very important because the Bible tells us clearly and plainly that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God in Romans 10, 17. So faith, therefore, does not rest in a road map that you can see where you're going, but in a relationship. A relationship with Almighty God. Now you think of Abram now. He's 75 years of age. He's well established. He's rich. He has a beautiful wife. And he's living in comfort. And God says, get up and let's go. And he did not know where he was going. Did not why he was going at this particular time. All he knew was that God had spoken. Now that must have been a very exciting thing to do. Actually, hey, listen, if your life is dull and incipient, perhaps you ought to do what Abraham did and live by faith, and that will turn the monotonous into the momentous. Yes, ma'am. 
Well, I definitely believe that uh, God uh, came to Abraham seven times. And I think he appeared before God, uh, before Abraham in those seven times. So I believe he appeared to him and spoke to him. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, But I, I think so. Well, I think God was there, so the Holy Spirit had to be there. Yeah. But it was a different time. I mean, they didn't have the word then. Yeah, in the Old Testament, it's clear that uh, the Holy Spirit came and uh, performed a function, uh, was inside uh, people for a period of time, and then he left. As in the New Testament, we now have, we are now the temple of God. We're the tabernacle of God. And, and he lives with us. And he doesn't leave. It's permanent. There's no such thing as coming and going now. He's there all the time. That's right. And, and you're not half full of, uh, you're, you've got all the Holy Spirit, all the power, all the wisdom that you're ever going to have. Now, you may learn more, but it's all there for you to learn. Already, all that power is there. So when people talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit, what they're really meaning is they're turning more and more of their life over to the Holy Spirit and letting them rule the entire life. Your heart is filled with the Holy Spirit that way. That's what that means. That's not what a lot of people think. That's what that means. A lot of people think it's like a gas tank. You can run out of gas, you've got to go get filled back up again. No. That's not what the Bible teaches. Anyway, now you guys are going to get me off on a soapbox or a rabbit trail, and I'm not going to get done. But that's all right. It was important. Yeah, it was important. So, Abram did not know why or where. He just knew whom had told him to go. So, Abram had a word from God. And that's very important because the Bible tells us clearly and plainly that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, so... What is faith? Faith is believing the Word of God and acting on it. That's faith. Faith is believing in the Word of God, or on the Word of God, or believing the Word of God, and acting on it. Now, if you simply believe the Word of God, that's not faith yet. Satan believes the Word of God. That's not faith. That's the preamble to faith. That's the root of faith. But now acting on it. That's faith. Believing the Word of God is mental. Faith is factual. And did you know the difference between belief and faith? Faith is belief with legs on it. And the difference between belief and faith is the difference between knowing the Word of God and knowing the God of that Word. Dr. Warren Wiersbe, you guys ever heard of Dr. Warren Wiersbe? Yeah. Said, faith is not believing in spite of evidence, because that's superstition. Faith is obeying God's word in spite of circumstances or consequences. Now that's worth saying again. Now, listen to me carefully, because it's going to be on the test at the end of the class. You guys didn't know there was going to be a test, right? They're going to be on the test at the end of the class, so listen up now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's hear that again. Faith is not believing in spite of evidence. That is superstition. Faith is obeying God's word in spite of circumstances or consequences. We do not live by explanation. We live by promises. 
We're not always going to know why God wants us to do what God wants us to do. But God promises that he'll be with us every step of the way. But what is the root of faith? It is God said. Abram heard from God. That's the root of faith. Now, are you hearing from God? Do you have a quiet time that you can hear from God? Or is the only time you pray and speak to God when you're doing a speech with God? And you don't give God time to talk to you. Right? So are you connected to God? Is God speaking to you? If God is not speaking to you, then you're not living by faith. It is impossible to live by faith unless you've heard from God. Unless you have heard from Him in His Word, or you've heard from Him from the Holy Spirit. Now, if you haven't heard from God, you're, you're going here and there and doing whatever you think you ought to do. And oh, didn't that get man in trouble for to do as what you believe to be right? That was, that was the first um, covenant or the first uh, dispensation to do as man saw right. Right? And boy, did that fail. It <laughs> up with the, the flood and everything else, right? So, the, but faith is hearing the Word of God and acting on it. So now that we've talked about the root of faith, I want to talk about the requirement of faith. So look again in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. Now, what he said is shorthand for, Get thee out unto, come out of where you are, and go to where you need to be. So this, is, uh, this just tells us that real faith not only brings us out, Real faith brings us in. Let me explain that a little bit. Because you cannot really have faith as you continue to live in the land of idolatry. You have to forsake it. Now I'm talking about spiritually now, a spiritual application. You cannot live in your old way of life and think that at the same time you can live by faith. It just cannot be done. Deuteronomy 6, 23 says, And he brought us out from thence, that he might bring us in, to give us the land which he swore unto our fathers. Now here Moses is talking about God calling the Israelites out of Egypt and bringing them into the promised land. Now in the same way, God said to Abraham, Come out of Ur, that I might bring you in. And God tells each of us, Come out of where you are and go to where you need to be. Spiritually, come out of where you are and go to where you need to be. Now, do you want to have a life of faith? Have you forsaken idolatry? And you say, well, I'm not an idolater. Well, now, you may be. And, and, and you say, you mean I have idols in my life? I don't have these little idols on the shelf that I, I worship and, and, and so forth. You know, I don't know if you, uh, if you have that or not, right? I, I hope you don't. But now you just may. Anything you love more, serve more, fear more, or trust more than God is an idol. I'll say that again. Anything that you love more, serve more, 
fear more or trust more than God is an idol. And some love money more than God. Some fear man more than God. Fear what man will think of you. Oh. Some trust ability more than God. Trust in your own ability to do things. You see, you can't have faith unless you are willing to come out. And you have to turn from that idolatry, which is sin. Now, do you know the reason that many people don't have faith? It is because they're not willing to leave the Ur of the Chaldees. They try to have faith right where they are in the same old lifestyle that they've always had, and they wonder why it doesn't work. Listen, there is nothing more damning, more blunting to faith than sin in the heart. Now, let me give you some scriptures, and I just pray to God that he will rivet these scriptures upon your soul. Hebrews 3.12 says, Take heed, brethren, lest, thou, uh, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. You know, unbelief never comes out of the head, it comes out of the heart. You say, well, I have intellectual problems with believing all of this. No, you don't. What you have is dirty, rotten sin. God says, beware, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Man, this is one of my favorite verses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now Paul says, looking unto Jesus. Well, now how do you look unto Jesus? By laying aside every weight and every sin that doth so easily be set up. There is no way that you can pray with unconfessed, unrepented of sin in your heart and pray in faith. Ooh, did I just say that? Did I just say that? Let me give you an illustration of how this works. And, and you guys like to think about your younger days because there's younger people listening in on the podcast, okay? But, uh, but it, it still works. So you and your wife are at home. And you're having one of them tremendous arguments. You're at each other's throats. You're saying all sorts of mean and vicious things. And all of a sudden you hear a cry from your upstairs bedroom. And you go up there and your little baby's up there burning up with a fever. He's terribly sick. And you know what you need to do. You need to pray. And there's all this hate and animosity that's still in your heart. So you get your, uh, down on your knees and you try to pray. Now, don't you feel like a couple of fools? You know you can't pray with all that sin in your heart. I mean, there is nothing more debilitating to faith than sin in the heart. 1 John 3.21 says, Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence towards God. Well, John tells us that when there is no unconfessed and unrepentant of sin in your heart, meaning your heart is not condemning you, then we have confidence toward God. Amen? Everybody understand that? Now the root of faith is the Word of God, but the requirement of faith is that you come out of that land of idolatry, you leave it, 
God brought us out that he might bring us in. Now, many people say, well, I just doubt my salvation. I, I'm not sure I'm saved. I have doubts, Keith, about my salvation. I have doubts, I have doubts, I have doubts. And you talk to them about their theology and so forth, and they'll just nod their head and say, yep, I believe all that you just said. But they still have their doubts. Now, if you stay there long enough, you're going to find out that person with all those doubts probably really has sin in his or her life that he didn't want to deal with. They have idols that they have not forsaken, things that they are doing. Now tell me, what right would you have to absolute assurance if you are living with sin in your heart and in your life? You will have doubts. And if you are having trouble with faith, then try repentance. And if you're having trouble with faith, then have repentance. You ever notice that God puts certain things in a specific order in the Bible? For example, grace and peace be multiplied unto you in 2 Peter 1-2. Now notice he doesn't say peace and grace. He says grace and peace. Well, why? Because God's grace must come before you can have God's peace. And then he says, believe and be baptized in Mark 16, 16. Now God never says, be baptized and then believe. That's never the order. Real baptism follows real belief. Now to be baptized before you believe would be like having your funeral before you die. Right? Now listen, just as grace comes before peace and belief comes before baptism, repentance comes before faith. The Bible speaks of repentance and faith, not faith and repentance. Repentance and faith. So are you listening? Say yes if you're listening to me. If you're having trouble with faith, try repentance. You guys get to speak a lot in this lesson, right? Now, the requirement of faith is when God says, get thee out. I'm going to bring you into the land of Canaan. You have to leave that idolatrous relationship and come to the Lord Jesus Christ. You have to change your life. You have to be obedient to God. If you're having doubts, it may just be unconfessed sin in your heart and in your life. Now the third thing that I want you to see, not only the root and the requirement of faith, but I want you to see the reward of faith. We're in Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. And he says, And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So now, by faith, Abraham received a blessing. For God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You see, by faith man gives God pleasure, and by faith God gives man treasure. We please God when we believe God. And God said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to give you a land. And God gave him the land. And God said, I'm going to make your name great. But every blessing of God, every blessing, not some, every blessing of God is appropriated by faith. 
How do you get saved? Acts 16, verse 31 says, And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. You're saved by faith, and you live the Christian life by faith. We are blessed by faith. But now notice Abraham was blessed that he might be a blessing. And look in verse 2. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Now faith gives us the power not only to be blessed, but to be a blessing. The problem with many people is that they want faith sort of as a Midas touch so they can get what they want, and it's self-centered. Instead, God wants you to be a river of revival, not a reservoir of blessing. Now, if you'll begin to pray like this, God bless me and make me a blessing, then faith begins to flow through your life. Now, the two great bodies of water in Israel are the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea. Now, the headwaters of the Sea of Galilee is found on Mount Hermon, which is snow-capped, and it's over 9,000 feet tall. And the springs of Benias pour that crystal clear water down into the Sea of Galilee. And the Sea of Galilee is a living, thriving sea full of fish. The Sea of Galilee gives up its water, and it trickles down the Jordan into the Dead Sea. Now the Dead Sea is the lowest spot on the planet Earth. 1,300 feet below sea level, and then another 1,300 feet at its deepest spot. It is just a pocket. It's a chasm on the face of the earth. And it is so deep that all it does is recede. But it never gives up except by evaporation or that which evaporates. And the water in the Dead Sea is poisonous and leaden and no life can be there. So what's the difference between these two seas? Well, they both receive the same water. But one receives and gives and the other just receives. Now, do you want to be blessed? Did you know that it's amazing how much God will let pass through your hands if you will receive and give? Oh, my, 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 it's just amazing. And a lot of it will stick to you if you just let it come through your hands. God says to Abraham, look, you trust me. Come out of this pagan idolatry. I'm giving you my word, and I will bless you, Abraham, and I will make you a blessing. So do you want to be a blessing? You think of how God used Abraham to be a blessing. Have you ever really thought about how God has blessed us with Abraham? Oh my goodness, out of Abraham we have the Jewish nation. Out of Abraham we have the descendants of Abraham who gave us the Bible. We have the prophets. We have Moses. And in the flesh, the Lord Jesus Christ came who according to the flesh is a descendant of Abraham, a man who believed God. Now, there is no greater blessing than to be a blessing yourself. Now, I want to be a blessing. And I'm blessed when I am a blessing. When I am blessing other people with the Word of God and with my life. Now, there's no greater greatness than to make somebody else great. To bless somebody else. That's the reward of faith. Now, I'm not quite through. There was more to the lesson, but I'm going to end right here, and I'll just pick it up next week and go from there.